grab our tablets, our smartphones, whatever it is you're gonna be following along in our message. Everything will be projected behind me, whatever's gonna be on, the, uh, on our, our smart devices that we have here. We are at week two of a four-week series called Life After Death. Life After Death. Now, if you're a very first-time visitor, you're probably saying, what in the world have I gotten myself into? We're gonna talk about death today. Uh, it's gonna get even a little bit more dicey. Uh, next week, I'm going to be speaking about the devil. We're gonna be speaking about hell uh, and how that deals with our eternity. So I told you uh, last week, I think it was, that I'm gonna give you a forewarning when I'm gonna do that. And uh, you may or may not want your children to be in here when we talk about that because it is a little bit challenging and difficult. But today, we are at week two of a four-week series entitled Life After Death. And this series is all about eternity. Talking about life and death can be scary, can be uncomfortable, overwhelming for some, but one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to prepare you for eternity. And how wrong would it be of me if I had not prepared you whatsoever? So we're doing this series. Uh, We're working with this right now. The last time that I did a series on life and death was all the way back in 2009. And uh, I'm very excited about this series. It's a little bit different than the original one that I had done a number of years back. Um, But I I am taking, I want to let you know I'm taking some thought and cues from different churches, different pastors that I love and respect, such as Life Church and uh, Brooklyn Tab, uh, Church of the Highlands, Gateway Church. These are different pastors who speak into my life, and I use some of their material. They all say you can do that. Don't worry about that, so I don't want you to think there's anything uh, immoral about what I'm doing, but I also have a bunch of my own stuff that I do prepare with you, and I'm going to be quoting some different some different authors today in just a few moments. Go with me to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. This is our theme verse for the series and it says these words, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Let me say that again. He has also set eternity in your heart, in my heart, in our heart. No one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. Uh, we are, uh, what this particular verse is talking about is, is that we are hardwired with eternity. Every human being on the planet of every generation, they have eternity in their heart is what that particular scripture is dealing with. Now, today we're going to be dealing with a, a rather deep subject today. Um, last week's message, what we talked about, the takeaway from last week's message was that, um, that what, we, what you believe about eternity determines how you live your life today. What you believe about eternity is how you will live your life today. In other words, if you believe that there is no God, if you believe that there is no God, no heaven, no afterlife, then the only hope that you have for this life is whatever this world can give you. Whatever this world can do for you, that's, that's as good as it's going to get for you. Because my friend, whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, and your life is coming to the end, uh, one second after your body dies, one second, millisecond after your body dies, you will, you will, uh, your soul will live forever. And it will live forever Uh, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you can stand there and say how much you're an atheist that you don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. This is the way it's going to be according to what we see within the word of God. Once you die, you and I, we find here that our eternal destination is irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. Let me say that again. When we die, once we die, whether we're believers or non-believers, 
Our eternal destination is irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. And every human being will go either to heaven to be with God forever because they believe or, or they will not go to heaven and be eternally separated from God because you don't believe. And listen, my friend, just this little tidbit of a thought, no good works will ever get you to heaven. Coming to church will not get you to heaven. Giving money to a church will not get you to heaven. The only thing that's gonna get you to heaven is if you believe in Jesus. Come on, give me an amen. That's the only thing that will get you and I into heaven is that we believe. And that's all that it says. I'm gonna prove it to you here in just a couple of moments. It's all that it says. So today, I wanna deal with a really, really tough question. And the question is this, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? How could a loving God send anyone to hell? Now, most of the time when that question is asked, it has a little bit of a, it has a little bit of a uh, accusatory approach to it all. But sometimes, many times, there are people who really want to understand that. Because we all know, most of us know, and again, the most devoted atheists have this thought in their mind because it's in our hearts is that the fact of the matter is when we die, we're either going to heaven or we're going to hell is what the scripture says. And so most people do deal with this. So today I want to be dealing with this question, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? I have two points only in my message today. And everybody's pretty happy about that. I only have two points in my message today. Point number one is this. God is a just God. God is a just God. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. I mean, I mean, there will never be an unjust judgment from God. Let me say it again. There will never be an unjust judgment from God to any person. Any person, any person in all of human history, there will never be an unjust judgment from God. And that may rise another question, and that next question would be, then would God send someone to hell who has never heard the gospel? Or another question may be, if Jesus really is the way and the truth and the life, like the Bible says it is, if Jesus really is the way and truth and the life to get to heaven, then what about those on this earth that lived before Jesus' day? What about them? Hmm? What's going to happen with them, Mr. Know-it-all? I don't know anything. Believe me. But anyhow, remember this. Remember, God is a just God. God will give you God will never give you an unjust judgment to any person. Did you hear me? God will never give an unjust judgment to any person. Go with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, if you would. Some of you bring your Bibles, paper book Bibles, and some of us have the machines here. But go with me to Romans chapter 1. I want to read to you some verses. Listen, the scriptures that I'm giving you today are imperative for you to be listening. You need to listen to this. This is a big question. This is a tough question to answer. And we're, we're going into God's word to find the answer. It says these words, Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, listen, who surpass, who, su- who, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19, listen to this, this is very important, because what may be known of God, listen, is manifest in them. What is known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. What, what is manifest 
the scripture says, what is men, uh, uh, what may be known, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of this world, his invisible attributes are clearly being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse, is what the Bible says. That those verses that I was highlighting, I'll get back to that in just a moment. Since the very beginning of time, God has testified of, of himself to every person. He has testified of himself to every person. This is what the scripture is talking about and more scripture to come as well. And the reason why we do the scripture is because that is our, our rule of faith and conduct. That's what we follow after. It's God's word that would be explaining these things. It's not just coming off the head of mere men. This is God speaking to us and so we're following along with God's word. So since the beginning of time, God has testified of himself to every person so that no person has an excuse to live an unrighteous life. God has revealed himself to every person so that they could live a life that is without accusation. So remember, God is a just God. So when we ask questions like this, so many times uh, we try to answer questions. Why would a loving God send someone to hell? We try to answer those questions in human form or with human logic. And uh, listen, you, you, never, you never answer a biblical question without the Bible. If any of your friends or neighbors or family members, whoever they may be in your life, if they ask you a biblical question, you need to respond with what the Bible says. The Bible has the answer to all of these questions. We argue, we debate, we use human logic, and that does not help at all. That doesn't help at all the, uh, to answer the question that we're dealing with today. <clears throat> Excuse me. A biblical question must be answered by the Bible must be answered by the Bible. So listen, I just read to you Romans chapter one, verses 18 through 20. I'm not gonna read it again, but here's what it says. It says, God has testified himself to everyone. God has made himself known to everyone. I'm gonna prove it to you, and I think you're gonna agree with me. God has proven himself to everyone. And he does that according to this particular passage. It says in verse 19 that he manifests himself. Uh, he manifests himself in them and he's shown it to them is what he says in the scriptures there. So God will testify inwardly and outwardly about all of this. Now listen, my friend, listen to me. God desperately, desperately and completely loves you. God is for you. He's not against you. He put eternity in every single person's heart. Every child that is born right now is eternity in their hearts. Every one of us. He has put eternity in our heart and God testifies of himself to everyone. He has proven himself to you inwardly, on the inside, on the inside. There's things that go on inside of you that testifies that God is real. And then he also does this outwardly as well so that you will know and you would believe in God. The reason why God does those things is so that you and I would know him and believe him. So think of this with me. Every person has a conscience and, and the, the conscience came from God. That conscience talks to us. Even as a young child, we, we have this thing called a conscience. You know, when somebody's stealing, the little kid is stealing a cookie out of the cookie jar, mommy or daddy walks in, what does that little kid do? He immediately starts crying because he got caught. I got caught a lot in my time. But anyhow, from the time, from that time uh, that we were young, our conscience was even speaking to us. So God testifies of himself in us and to us externally. 
And that means to me is that you cannot look up at the sky at night. I just don't believe it at all. You cannot look up at the sky at night and not wonder at some point in your life, is there a God that did that? Is there a God that created all of that that I can see with my eyes? Is there a God you can't deny? God's creation testifies of him, the Bible says. What God has created testifies of him and reveals himself to every person. How many of you have experienced something like that when you were a child or a teenager? All of a sudden you saw this or saw that or heard this or heard that and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is real. Sometimes somewhere in in those years of your life you can probably remember that moment that caused you to wonder. You started wondering, you started having some curiosities and start seeking and looking, have a hunger in you for the opportunity to know our God. Listen, I just say this to you real quickly. Even when you get older, that's me, That, that was me. Uh, the stars, that stars just boggle my mind. It just boggles my mind. The stars are just so incredible. Another thing that just, I think it was back in 2006, Marianne, ended up, Marianne and I ended up going to the Grand, uh, Grand Canyon. And when we got there, when we got there, here's what I did. It was so magnificent. It was so unbelievably beautiful. I whispered. I said, look at that. That is incredible. I I don't know if anything like that ever happened to you. When I go to Hawaii, I haven't been in a while, but when we go to Hawaii, it's like just so incredible to be there. For me, for me, this is is my story. One last quick example I'll give you is sunrise, sunsets. Oh my God, I, I, I remember back in like 2003, 2004 when the economy was going down the toilet and we were really struggling here at Word of Life. We were struggling. I didn't know what we were gonna have to do. Thank God we never had to lay off anybody. We never had anything like that. But for me, I was really struggling. And I happened to get in my, my truck and I was going down Route 370 heading towards Cato. And as I went just past 690, I looked up and I saw this sunset that was incredible and I just started to weep. And all of a sudden, God, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and said something like this. If I can take care of that, if I can make that happen, I can take care of your finances. And I'm telling you, immediately the fear was gone. Immediately the fear was gone. It's incredible what God can do. No person will will ever, ever be able to say to God, no one told me. No one told me. But listen to me, my friend. If that's your thought, based on the scriptures that we just read to you, God's going to look at you and he's going to say, I told you. I told you, I revealed myself to you. It was God himself who put eternity into our hearts, number one, who put a hunger in our heart for God, but you chose to turn away from God and to rebel against him. No one can ever say to God, no one told me. No one told me about Jesus. No one told me about you, God. Every person, every person who seeks God is going to find him. That's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 8. I'm going to read it to you in just a moment. Those are Jesus' words that God's promised to every single person, regardless of the environment around you. Every one of us can can come to know God. Go with me to to, uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. And it says these words. He says, this is what God says. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently diligently will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13, and it says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. With all of your heart. And uh, Matthew chapter seven, verses seven through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek 
and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, did you hear that? For everyone, for everyone. It's not saying Christians. For everyone, every human being, for everyone who asks, receives, who seeks, who finds, and him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you that if a son asked for bread, that you would give him a stone? Or if he would ask you for a fish, that you would give him a serpent? If you and me then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things if you were to ask him, the Bible says. So the Bible tells us that this is for everyone. It is for everyone. It doesn't say just believers. It says for everyone in the entire world. Go with me to Acts chapter 17. This is incredible. This is another incredible portion of scripture. And it says these words. It says from one man he made the nations. The one man, his name is Adam. When God created Adam and Eve. So it says here from one man he made all the nations. That they should, listen, that they should inhabit the whole earth. Listen, listen. And he marked out their appointed times in history. Humankind, God was marking out their times in human history and the boundaries of their lands. In other words, where you and I will end up living. We've been called by God to live here in central New York where it's almost cloudy every day. Thank you, God. But anyhow, God did this, <coughs> listen, God did this with the hope that we would seek him. Where we are, the time that we're here, the places that we are. He says God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps would reach out to him and find him. Though he is not far away from any of us, for in him we live, we move, and we have our being is what the scripture declares to us. I'll tell you a real quick story most of you know, but I was a chaplain at West Point for, for five years from 87 to 92, and I believe the year was 1991 when this particular event took place. It was a Sunday morning service when I was at West Point. <clears throat> we had a few van loads of cadets that were coming <clears throat> to our little church that we had, the little building that we had in Highland Falls, New York. <clears throat> and my wife, Marianne, she made a deal with the cadets. My wife is an incredible cook, an incredible baker. She's incredible with food. And I think that little guy probably wants some of that food right now, the way I'm hearing it. But anyhow, anyhow, um, the, the deal with the kids, with the cadets were, if you brought a guest, you and your guest could come to our house after service, and you're going to have a knockout dinner, man. You're going to have a Sunday afternoon lunch like you wouldn't believe. And then after that, not only would they have good food, but they could take off all the cadet gear. They could lay on the bed and watch TV or wrestle with my kids, whatever the things that they did. So we always had a bunch of cadets that would come over, up to 40 at a time, 40 at a time. Uh, there's a whole story behind that I'll tell some other time. Well, anyhow, this was one of those Sundays and the last row of the seats, last row, a couple seats were open and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in walks this particular individual. This young man had on a tall red and black, red and bl black cadet hat. He was a Russian. He was a Russian and was on a furlough to be able to be in the States for a couple of years, coming for a couple of weeks, uh, coming uh, here to West Point. And uh, it just so happened that this Russian cadet ended up coming to our church. So he walks in the door and I could see him just sort of 
surveying the land, you know, all of the seats and everything that's going on. And these cadets, like this was a little bit ago, you know, with the worship taking place and people loving God and being excited about God. He's standing there. He's, he's watching all of these things. Now, re- remember what the Bible, what I read to you just a moment ago. This young man came forward on that Sunday and he gave his life to Jesus. And he was at our altar that we have in this little American Legion Hall that, we were, that our building was for our church. And he ended up giving his life to Jesus. This is a man who came all the way from Russia, all the way to West Point, New York. God brought him here. He ordained it according to the scripture that I just read to you a moment ago. It's God who is doing these things. It's God who's leading us in these things so that we would know him and follow him. And maybe, maybe we would seek him. Maybe we would seek him. And this young guy, he ended up giving his life to Jesus. Uh, in, in those days, he was at the right place at the right hand, uh, at the right time by the hand of God, and he reached out to God and he found him. And he was at the altar weeping for God, weeping with God, for God, with God, uh, when, when he was at the altar. Just incredible, an incredible story. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. He's so faithful to what he says he will do in his word. If, you're, uh, if, if, a, if a person, according to the scriptures that I read to you and I highlighted it a few times, if a person would only make the effort, if you would just make an effort, if you would make an effort to know who God is, he's gonna respond to you. He's gonna reveal himself to you. And a lot of people in this room have that story to be able to tell you all of these things. If a person will simply make an effort, God will reveal himself to him or to her. So back at Acts chapter 17, verse 27, it says that if you would reach out to God, you will find him because he's not far from any of us is what the scripture says. So no person will ever receive an unjust judgment from our just God. No person will. Point number two, already at point number two. God's a loving God. God is not only a just God, but God is a loving God. Uh, Here's the question. How could a loving God send anyone to hell? How could a loving God send anyone to hell? Well, listen, I said before, (coughs) I say it again. This is a biblical question. So we need God's perspective. We need to hear what God has to say about this. So let's get a biblical answer. So I'm going to dig into this. This is where we're going to go deep. I I warned you last week, we're going to go a little bit deep. We're going to go deep right here. So hang with me just for a few moments. God did not create, create hell for people. God did not, he did not create hell for people. As a matter of fact, he sent Jesus' only son to come into this world so that no one would go to hell. That's exactly why Jesus came. He was coming to rescue us from our sin and eternal separation from God. So hold on, we're gonna go a little bit deeper. Whether people knew Jesus before or after Jesus came into this world some 2,000 years ago? Jesus came to pay the price of sin for every single person. Their past, their present, and their sin of their future. If, if that person would seek after God, they would find him. If that person would seek after God, they would find God. Their sins would be forgiven by the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven because of the blood that was shed with Jesus on that cross, paying the price for our sin. In 1 John, let me back it up with some scripture. 1 John 2, 2, and it says these words. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, 
not only for word of life, not only for our church, not only for us, but according to the word of God, it says, uh, but not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The whole world, past, present, and future. He paid that price for each and every one of us. In fact, uh, Peter sort of backs, backs it up with 2 Peter, verse 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, promise of forgiveness, promise of knowing God, as some would count slackness, but long-suffering toward us. Listen, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance is what God's word says. So your question, my question is, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? Let me give you some thought from Robert Morse, one of, our, one of the pastors that I listened to. When he talked about this point, I said, I gotta tell this one to my church. You, you gotta hear what he says. I love this. So your question and my question about how could a loving God send anyone to church? Here's what he answers. He answers this with this particular perspective. Listen to the perspective. The perspective is the inexcusable, rebellious rejection of a living God. He's talking about this perspective, the inexcusable, rebellious rejection of a living God. I wanna give you four very quick stories found in the Bible. The first one is found in the book of, of Isaiah chapter 14. You don't need to turn to there. You don't have it in your notes or Revelation chapter 12. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. You read them on your own. Listen to this. It is the, it, story number one, it is the inexcusable rebellion of Lucifer and one third of the angels. It is the un, uh, inexcusable rebellion of Lucifer and one-third of the angels of heaven. Here's what we know about Lucifer. Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. Lucifer was so beautiful. Lucifer was so uh, persuasive that he was even able to convince one-third of the angels to rebel against God. He was able to do that. He was able to do that. Listen, for all of those angels that rebelled, and even for Lucifer himself, they were in heaven. At this time, they were in heaven. They were in heaven, and there were no problems in heaven. There are no problems in heaven. He is making a problem, but there are no problems in heaven. They were, they were, uh, were never mistreated ever, ever. God the Father was, was and is perfect in all of his ways. And uh, Colossians 1.16 talks about that. I, I won't go there right now. But there was also no sin in heaven anywhere, anywhere. In other words, what I'm saying to you is, is that God never did a single thing wrong that would make the devil to do what he did, to make Lucifer and those angels to do whatever they did. He never did one single thing to warrant that rejection, never once. But they rejected God and they rebelled against God. And this was all before the world was created. This was, this is history before the world, history before time. And the Bible tells us that in the verses that I just gave you out of the Bible, Lucifer, Satan was hurled to the earth. He was hurled to the earth, like the Bible says, like lightning. So let me just give you a little warning here. Don't mess with God. Because if you mess with God, he's bigger and better than you and he's gonna take you out, you know. But anyhow, this is what he did. And, and just so you know, a lot of theologians really believe that when that happened, when they were kicked out, that that is when, they, when uh, hell was created for the devil because they rejected God and they rebelled against him. But, against him. but let me tell you something more about God. Let me go to this. We're nearing an end here, so hang with me. I believe that being rejected by anyone is probably one of the greatest hurts that we have to bear, being rejected by anyone. Do you know that 
Do you know where your emotions come from? Anybody? You know, I, I'm sure you do. Some of you do. They come from God. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. We were created in his image. So why would you think that what Lucifer and the angels did, why would you think that that wouldn't bother him? Why would you think that that wouldn't hurt God's feelings? Lucifer, for no reason, rebelled and rejected God. It was an inexcusable, it was inexcusable of Lucifer and those angels to do that against God. Story number two, the second story. God creates Adam and Eve, and they reject God. They reject God. If you're new to the Bible, I'm not talking about a God that they didn't know. In fact, the Bible tells us about Adam and Eve and God is that God would come and be with them and walk with them throughout the cool of the day. Every day, every day, God was with him. And, and let me remind you again, their environment, as I talked about a moment ago, for Adam and Eve was uh, somewhat the same. It was a perfect environment. At this particular time, it was a perfect environment. There was no sin at this particular time, as they're beginning to rebel against God, there was no sin. There was no sin that was, that was ever experienced before. They had perfect bodies. They had perfect health, perfect hearts. They had a perfect marriage. They had perfect love and communication and a whole lot more. Everything at this time with Adam and Eve, everything was perfect until the inexcusable rebellion and rejection of our perfect loving God. And Adam and Eve made their move toward that tree that was in the midst of the garden that they were told, don't eat of that fruit. Adam and Eve rejected God. They rejected God. And it gave us sin that we deal with now. The story of Jesus. I'm just going to say this much about Jesus. The third story is the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus, um, God's son, Jesus, came into our world and was so rejected by mankind, we killed them. We killed them. We rejected God. And number four, Revelation chapter 20, tells about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ for the thousand years. Jesus is going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And at the very same time, um, Satan is going to be bound for those 1,000 years as well. Thank God. Can you imagine? Humankind will continue to, to flourish. Humankind will continue to be. And Jesus will be ruling and reigning on earth. And the devil will be bound. But listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. But at the same time, at the end of Jesus, 1,000 years of reign on earth, Satan will be released on the earth. And listen. And the devil will lead people of that day to rebel against God to go out and deceive the nations whose number, the Bible says, is as the number of the sand of the sea. You find that in Revelation 20, verse 8. I think that that's unimaginable. How could Jesus be physically here and be physically with them and Jesus making himself known to people and the devil is bound up and all of a sudden Lucifer comes out and he begins to do and say what he does and says. And people end up being rebellious and walking away from him. How could this possibly happen? We find that here. There's a beautiful lady coming in my sphere of influence right now. Let me just say this much, honey. And that is this. There's a lot of reasons why people reject God. And it just so happens sin is the number one reason why that happens. A lot of reasons. Sin with sinful pleasures and immoralities and impurity evil desires, people who are greedy and filled with idolatry. But most important, most important, one of the reasons why we fall and why we reject God is because of this one scripture, Ephesians uh, 6, Ephesians 6 verse 12. 
And it says these words, for we do not wrestle just against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Listen, God does not send anyone to hell. God does not send anyone to hell, but you can send yourself to hell. You can send yourself to hell. For those of you who don't know, this is my wife, Marianne. She's been madly in love with me for the last 45 years. Look at her. Just look at her. And I've asked her to participate in this series by sharing a few stories that I think will encourage us or give us some more insight with life after death. This morning, I want to give you a quick history of NDE, what that means, and then I'm going to share the story. So heaven and near-death experiences. It was way back in 1975 that Dr. Raymond Moody is the one who coined that term, near-death experience, after he and his students were collecting post-mortem survival stories, and then he wrote an international best-selling book called Life After Life. What a title, huh? Dr. Moody stated that he hoped his book would shine some light on these mysterious experiences that people were having, and he claimed that they were more common than we know they are. So heaven and near-death experiences are when people have clinically died and have been resuscitated and claim to have gotten a peek into the afterlife. That's what NDEs are. NDEs are even more prevalent today <coughs> with, with modern medicine, with 911, with a number of people that know how to do CPR. More and more people are living again. They're, they're dying and they're coming back to life. So over the past 35 years, John Burke, who is the author of Imagine Heaven, has heard close to 1,000 near-death stories. And there are millions, he said, out there. He started seeing commonalities across the stories, intriguing, detailed descriptions by people from all around the globe, all different ages, and even children. And this is what he said. He said, each one gave a slightly different angle to what started to look like a very similar picture. And after reading hundreds of these accounts, he started to see the difference between what they reported experiencing, and the interpretation that they would give to their experience. And he said, while interpretations vary, he found the shared core experience points to what Scripture says. In fact, the more he studied, the more he realized that the picture Scripture paints of heaven is the common experience that the NDEers described. So here's my question I want to answer with a story this morning. If we could all get a glimpse of Jesus, of heaven, just a glimpse of God's presence, wouldn't everyone choose him? And my answer is no. I'm going to tell you a quick story about a Jewish woman who was given about as clear a choice as possible. Describing her near-death experience, she said this. This is what she said. I know that it all happened, and yet logically I cannot account for the happening or possibly, I just can't totally accept the reality of it because I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish and I do not believe in Jesus Christ. I only believe in God. And here's her story. One snowy winter night, she was with her husband and children in the car when they had a bad head-on collision and she found herself out of her body viewing the accident from up above. 
She said, I was in a circle of light. I looked down upon the accident scene. I looked directly into the car that struck ours, and I saw a young woman, and I knew that she was dead. I looked into my car, and I saw myself trapped and unconscious. I saw several cars stop, and a lady was taking my children out of our car to her car. I heard my husband talk to me. I saw myself not moving and not answering him. And then a hand touched me. And I turned to see where this beautiful, serene, and blissful feeling was coming from. And there he was. There he was. There was Jesus Christ. I mean, the way he was made out to be in all the paintings and pictures, with a white robe and a beard. And I never wanted to leave Jesus. I never wanted to leave this man in this place. I never looked or thought back upon that accident scene or earth again until the final experience prodded me to do so. I was led around this well because I wanted to stay with Jesus. I was holding on to his hand. He led me from one side of bliss to a side of misery. I didn't want to look, but he made me look. And I was disgusted, and I was horrified, and I was scared. It was so ugly. The people were blackened and sweaty and moaning in pain, and they were chained to their spots. I had to walk through the area to get back to this well. He led me to, the, to it, but he made me go through it alone as he watched. And I knew that I would be one of those creatures if I stayed because of what I saw in the well. I knew that if I elected to stay because of the great, experienced, serene feeling I was feeling, that I would only have misery after because he didn't want me to stay. I leaned over the well, and as I looked in, he placed his hand on my back. There were three children in the, looking up, calling, Mommy! Mommy, we need you! Please come back! Mommy! There were two boys and a girl. The two boys were much older than my little ones, and I didn't have a little girl. And then, all at once, I was in the circle again, and Jesus' hand was still on my shoulder, and I saw the accident scene again, and I cried. I cried because I did not ever want to leave Jesus. And then I heard my babies cry, and I saw the lady taking them to my car, her car, and I knew I had to leave and get back. John Burke says this. This is how he closes that story. She knew she had to go back and raise her children. Several years later, she had a little girl, the little girl she saw in the well. What's peculiar about this whole story from this lady is that even seeing Jesus, even knowing it was Jesus, it wasn't enough. Having seen, she still says, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I only believe in God. Presumably, Jesus didn't want her to stay because she had rejected him. Maybe she was getting another chance. Thank you, dear. It's a mind-boggling story that people would reject God. How could that be? How could something like that happen? Why do people reject God? I don't know why they do, but I do know it happens every day. It happens every day. Listen carefully. At the end of age, God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And just so you know, all that God has wanted, all of this time, all that he has wanted is his family. He wants his family. 
Listen, for your information, that's all that God ever got at the end of time. If we can see into the future, what God wanted was all that he got. He wanted us. He wanted his sons and his daughters. He wanted us. He wanted his family. And do you know why? Because the only thing that matters is the family. Let me go a little bit deeper with you. The only thing that that lasts forever is family. That's the only thing that will last forever is the family. And if you want family, then you have got to, you, you, you've got to let them have a choice. You have got to have a choice if you're going to have family. So God created you and I with the free will. And in my opinion, it's one of the greatest gifts that God could give us. Now, undoubtedly, Jesus is the very greatest of all gifts. But the fact of the matter is our free will. One of the greatest, greatest gifts that God ever gave us was our free will. Um, uh, the greatest, let me say that again. The greatest gift that God has given mankind is the fact that we have a free will. In other words, he gave you and me a free choice. You have a choice every single day how you're going to live your life. You're not a robot. You're not a robot, robot and you can't help yourself. Yes, you can. You have a choice. And when, you, when, uh, when someone who does not have to loves you, when you have someone when you have someone who doesn't have to, loves you, it's meaningful. It's meaningful. But when someone has to love you, it's meaningless. It is a choice that you and I make. So do you know, do you know that it blesses God? It makes God happy when you worship him. He loves it when you worship him. Do you know why? According to Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17, it says this, for the Lord your God is living among you and he is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all of your fears and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. The Bible is talking about you and me. When we worship God, driving down the road in our car and we got the songs going, man, and we're singing it out or whether we're here at church doing it, or wherever we find ourselves. It makes God happy. In fact, he does the happy dance with us. I was gonna try to do that, but you don't wanna see that. But anyhow, he loves the fact that we come to worship him. Why? Because you have a choice. You choose to do that. None of you, like a robot, had to come to church today <coughs> because you're programmed. You're here because you want to be in your Father's presence. You want to come and be with your Father of heaven. You want to come and be with other believers and worship along with him. You have a free will, and you can choose to love God or to choose not to. It's all up to you. So let me say it again. Would God send someone to hell? No. God will never send somebody to hell. He never has and he never will. But people send themselves to hell all the time. You can send yourself to hell for eternity. And people do it all the time. Listen, you have a choice. God has given you a free will. You have a choice. Your eternal destination is made by you alone. By you alone. Your eternal destination, heaven or hell, it is made by you alone, not God. Yes, I know we try to blame God for everything. And that comes from the, the, uh, hell itself. PR, what if that person didn't know about God? Listen, he did know. She did know. 
He is a just God and he is a loving God. Born sinners have this human error within them giving, given to us by Satan himself and that is to turn our hearts against God. And especially when we talk about heaven and all that God has in store for those who would go there because that's what God has created for us is this place called heaven. I'm telling you, my friend, it's your choice. It's your choice where you spend eternity. You have a free will. And the only reason, the only reason you will follow Jesus is because you voluntarily, you want to. I'm choosing by my free will. I want to follow God. I want to love God. And that's completely up to you. I close with these three questions. Are you going to choose God? Are you going to choose God? Are you going to choose to love God, to serve God, to follow God, to walk with God? Are you going to choose to raise your family, your kids, your grandkids, to love and to know and serve God? In my humble opinion, the greater question is not how could God send anyone, a loving God, send anyone to hell? I think the tougher question is, how could anyone ever reject our loving God? I don't understand it. Would you stand with me to your feet, please, if I could have our intercessors here? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, please, please. This is a private moment that I wanna have with you. And that is, it's your choice, my friend. It's your choice. What are you gonna do? Pastor, I don't know how to choose God. Maybe that's in your mind right now. I, I don't know how to choose God. Well, I want, I want to choose God, but I don't know how. Well, I want to help you with that. I want to help you to make that choice. If you want to choose God, it's very simple to do. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. Right where you're at right, where you're at right now. I want to pray out loud. And as I pray out loud, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. But I'm going to ask you to do it in your mind. Do it in your, your lips. Do it without saying it out loud. I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed that they have to do this publicly in front of a bunch of people. So again, heads bowed and eyes closed, please, for that privacy. It's your choice. You're making a choice whether you want to or you don't want to. So if you're making a choice that you do want to, I want you to follow after me. And I want you to pray this prayer in your heart after I say this prayer. Say this with me in your heart. Dear God. I know I've messed up. I know I've done a lot of wrong things. Come on, you can tell him that. He knows it too. And I ask you to forgive me. You know the Bible says if you ask, you'll receive. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me and come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior today. And now say this to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Everybody, please keep your eyes closed just for another moment. I want to take it one last, one last step with them. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you're renewing your faith with God, if you prayed that prayer and meant it, I'm going to ask you, would you just lift up your hand and hold it up? Just hold it up so I can acknowledge you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Come on, hold them up. Hold them up. I'm agreeing with you in the back. I appreciate you too. How about over here on my right? Over here, just hold up your hand. Father God, I thank you for each and every one of these people that are doing this. Put your hands back down. Let me just say this to you. You can look at me, every one of you. One of the things that Jesus says within the word of God, he says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before God. 
if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before God. But he says, if we confess. So as we're, we're going to sing our last final worship song, we got just about a three-minute song that we're going to do. If you need prayer for anything at all in life, you come to these people who have been praying for you for the last hour, and they're ready to pray for you right now. You can just come to them and share whatever you want. We will take a few moments and pray. But I'm going to ask you that before you leave out of here today, tell the person standing or sitting next to you, I gave my life to Jesus today. Don't deny that. Tell that person next to you that you've given your life to Jesus. Let's go ahead, Luke. Do our final song.